0: Let's say good to Peter Black talking technology and the way it frames our world. Morning to you, Pete. Good morning, Spencer. And the UK is considering introducing internet filtering.
1: Yes, so this is something that we went through, or the debate at least, we went through several years ago in Australia. So the communications minister, or then communications minister Senator Conroy, had this proposal to introduce mandatory ISP-level internet filtering, which basically meant that the ISP is the company that you uh, that provides the internet to you. The government was going to require that they had to filter and block out uh, a range of different content uh, that they that they felt, or the government at least felt, was inappropriate. There was this a long protracted debate. I don't know if you remember. Um this that took place over a few years in this country. Uh, ultimately uh, it's was defeated and it's actually now not the policy of any major party uh, in in Australia. they've all abandoned that particular policy mainly because it's 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 unworkable more than anything else um but in the United Kingdom, uh, David Cameron has, put forward a proposal that would go about it slightly differently, um, but uh, would, would nonetheless try and provide, I suppose, a cleaner internet. Now, rather than it being done at the internet service provider level, at the ISP level, uh, it would be uh, done uh, more at the control of the user, uh, and the user would have the ability to opt out rather than it being mandatory. Um, The the theory being, though, of it being opt-out is that most people simply won't bother to opt-out, and that indeed, uh, particularly parents, may very much like the opportunity to have uh, a a so-called clean uh, feed. What I think is a little bit interesting in terms of uh, this particular proposal is that although there's still the same issues surrounding the practicability of it, uh, as well as the appropriateness of the government effectively censoring content, Uh, for adults is it's reignited a bit of a debate in this country uh, surrounding the internet filter uh, and indeed the Australian Christian lobby has made some calls uh, for the Australian government to follow the lead of the government of the United Kingdom. Amusingly enough though, of course, although they want us to follow the UK's lead on this
0: issue, they don't want to follow the UK's lead on marriage equality. There is a web tool uh, available now where you can see how many times you're going to catch up with your parents before they're no longer around. This this has the potential to be be a very powerful tool and and really make people go, oh, wow, okay, better do something about this. It is is quite powerful, uh, quite poignant. It's
1: called Mm. See Your Folks. You just go to seeyourfolks.com. Uh, and it uses data from the World Health Organization to basically, you know, estimate the amount of time um, that you'd have left uh, to see your parents. So you enter in just uh, a few pieces of information. You tell them which country you live in, or, or your your, uh, your parents, parents live in, in rather. Uh, you uh, enter your parents' age, uh, and then just on average, how many times a year you would see your parents at the moment. Uh, and it uses uh, the data from the World Health Organization in terms of life expectancy in the various different countries to give you a figure uh, in terms of how many times you would see your parents before you die. And so, um, it's, it, I, I imagine for
0: some people it would be quite it would be quite powerful. Yeah, in terms it's going to come um, up with like one or none or yeah. two. What about for you? You've put this in yourself. How many times?
1: Oh, well, I'm quite fortunate. For me, it
0: was 533. Good lord. Oh. Times. Is that a good thing? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Close, close my, parents, my, 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 so and my parents are listing, Of course it's a good thing. <laughs> All right, technology, has it ruined handwriting? I reckon it has. I reckon it has. <laughs> yes. uh, as well as someone who marks university exam oh, yes, papers yes. at the end of every semester and you, uh, you see students' handwriting. Uh, Why do they still have to handwrite the exam papers then? Why can't they type them? Why do we still write things? What? Well, in terms of exams, I, I think we are certainly going to be moving to the moment when you will be able to, to type
1: uh, exam papers. At the moment, there's just lots of practical difficulties with it in I But mean, I can't of... shoe a
0: horse. I can't crack a whip. Why should I have to write something with my hand?
1: Yeah, I know. look, I feel your pain, Spence. I'd, trust me, if I, I'd much rather read a whole heap of typed exam answers than I would read handwritten uh, hands- uh, answers. But uh, a little bit of data on this particular point. So some, a UK study has been done uh, which uh, actually found that 33% of people had difficulty reading their own handwriting. Um, and I must admit I've been occasionally guilty of that as well. I look back at something I've written by hand and struggle to decode what I was actually writing. Uh, myself uh, as well and more than half participants in the same survey uh, said that they noticed their own handwriting um, was significantly declining.
0: 13 to 7, 612 ABC Brisbane, Peter Black here talking technology and the way it frames our world and uh, parliamentary report came out yesterday in Australia. Uh, It's been looking into why we pay more for IT products here in Australia than elsewhere in the world.
1: Yeah. So there's no doubt that we pretty much do pay more for IT products, particularly for software and and things in Australia compared to what you can get in other other countries. The uh, Standing Committee on Infrastructure and Communications found that on average, uh, Australians paid 42% more for some of this uh, IT software. Things like Some of the Microsoft products, Adobe products, some of the Apple products, all of those sorts of things in terms of the software, we are paying considerably uh, more than what you get in other countries. So the question then for the committee was what can really be done about this? And there were sort of two main, I suppose, approaches they took. I mean, first is a range of different law reform ideas in terms of uh, amending the Competition and Consumer Act, the Copyright Act, um, to really, I suppose uh require companies to do more uh, in this particular space and the second I thought was quite interesting was that they were actually suggesting that the government should give consumers and give the public more information uh, about ways in which they can circumvent what's called geo-blocking. so the reason these websites uh or know that you're in Australia to charge you more is because of the, the, the this technology called geo um, well, the, yeah, that allows uh, the, the the websites when you visit them to know which country they are in. But there's tools that you can use to get around that. Uh, various different online tools. Um, you can set up um, what's known as a VPN, a virtual private network, to trick the site into thinking you're somewhere else. So basically, the standing committee was suggesting they need to inform the public more about ways that they can get around these yeah, geo blocking. It is quite extraordinary, really.
0: Yeah. Um, so, what are the legalities on that? Because that brings us to what you're going to talk about next, which is using a VPN to access n- sites like Netflix, for example. And we've talked about it in the past using VPNs to ac- to watch. You can watch BBC One live out of the UK if you tell your computer that you're not in Australia, for example. And So we have touched on it in the past, but what are the legalities of doing this?
1: Well, it depends a little bit in terms of what you're uh, wanting to use it for, really. There's no sort of blanket rule that that at the moment says that uh, using these tools to to circumvent the geo-blocking is going to be uh, illegal or unlawful or anything like that. But in terms of the Netflix situation, when you're using it to uh, view video or television content from another country, there are some potential uh, issues there. Um, because you're still making a copy of something to be able to watch it, um, that you probably don't have the authority to do. So maybe the Company like Netflix that's providing you the content is infringing copyright as well as the end user. But there's also potentially um, problems under our criminal law at an Australian level to using some of these geo-blocking tools. Uh, it's a provision to uh, it's illegal to have unauthorised access to restricted data, um, and and using. Um, or some of these tools to circumvent the geo-blocking is potentially doing that. So there are some sort of real serious legal questions there that will hopefully be thought about now a little bit more by our parliament uh, if they're going to take up these recommendations from the standing committee to inform users about how they can um, get around yes. these geo-blocking tools. They wouldn't want to be, you would think, they wouldn't want to be giving advice to Australian Consumers and voters, if it is indeed uh, against the law. Well summed up, sir. Thank you. See you you next week.